You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been clear for takeoff. Welcome to Alouette's Flight Deck, podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouette's football. I am your host, Tim Capper, along with Cliffy D. Hey, Cliff, uh, how's it going? You know, the big superstar TV star that you are now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say superstar, maybe just regular star. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good, though. I mean, I'm still a little bummed out with the Canadians. I mean, they... I, I got to take my hat off to them. I mean, like, I know this is a football podcast, but uh, we, we got to give props to the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, that was a hell of a run for the Stanley Cup. Yeah, and and for to you know for Vernon to be the cheerleader that he was, that was amazing. I don't know if anybody else saw it, but the way Vernon supported the 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 community and the team, and just that that that's that's the type of thing that we want. I mean, uh, maybe back in the day, maybe AC would have done the exact same thing. Um, maybe but i'm I'm sure he would have um but yeah it's I, I thought it was cool i mean it's we're and uh, we're able to now talk about more football and camps go what camps coming up what the hell uh, and a uh, lot of changes this, yeah. this is a very interesting episode to say the least but um before we get to that for those who didn't see and i wanted to talk to you about it a little bit about your experience mm-hmm. is about um your experience in, in representing the, the podcast and wearing your merch. And by the way, with all honesty, dude, I think you chose the right thing to wear for the, for that episode, even though it was the, your long sleeve, it was the right thing to wear, uh, on the, uh, the Rod Peterson show. But I want uh, for, you know, to tell us your story here, because I remember you, you know, we saw that Rod was going to be here for the, uh, for the two days, uh, Raving up to the game one here, uh, game one in Montreal, so game three, sorry, game three here. Mm-hmm. Um, but how did you end up getting on uh, on Rod's show for the for that day on Friday? Well, I knew Rod was Rod and, and Darren Dupont were going to be here, you know, doing the show live from Montreal, which I thought was really cool. And I actually messaged Rod. I said, "Hey, you, you know, as long as you're in Montreal, you want to hang out, to, you know, get together like we normally would do on." Uh, a game day or something like that. He's like, absolutely. So I you know, left it at that. didn't think anything of it. Then Friday morning, which I happened to have off because I worked Canada day. So I had the, the, the following Friday off. Okay. Uh, Rod just texted me out of the blue. It's like, Hey, you want to come on the Rod Peterson show? I'm like, hell yeah. I want to come on the Rod <laughs> Peterson show. I, I, I've been on at least once a year for the past couple of years. Since the show has been on the air, I've been on at least once a year. Usually it's done uh, via video conference or by zoom, however you want to yeah. call it. But, yeah. uh, the idea of actually being live in the studio, I'm like, that's awesome. I mean, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to get out to Regina so easily to be part of the actual studio experience there. But to be in Montreal on the Rod Peterson show, sign me up. So I said, yeah, absolutely, I'll be there. So I went down there. They, Rod had me on. Always always a blast talking with Rod. Uh, I mean, we talked football. We talked hockey. We talked about just the vibe in Montreal itself. And, you know, it, it was great. Just it, Honestly, it was like sitting down with an old friend and just – shooting the breeze it was a really awesome experience it was awesome to finally meet darren as well and uh just being part of that atmosphere was i think a a really good experience and i'm really glad i was able to represent the podcast of course and 
appreciate the shout outs we got for it as well. It was really awesome. People were also uh, emailing and uh, posting comments during the show itself, which Rod was leaving, uh, reading on the air, mm-hmm. which is also a really cool thing as well. Uh, to be a part of that interactive experience, it was it was really cool. I'm really I'm really appreciative that Rod thought of me to come on board. He was saying that uh, he had asked a few Montreal media types to come on, and for any number of reasons, they were either out of town or just not comfortable being in a you know doing anything outside of like a Zoom call, which right. is kind of crazy when you think about how far we've come and how far we still have to go still when it comes to this whole pandemic thing. But to me, it was like you know what. This is a once in a lifetime experience, and I'm going to take full advantage of it. So I'm really glad I did. Once again, Rod, thank you so much for having me on the show. I hope I did you justice. I hope I did you proud. And uh, you know, anytime that the Rod Pearson show wants to come back to Montreal, if we can do another collab, if you, if you will. I'm all for it. Yeah, and hopefully I would be able to take advantage of it. I mean, I know you'd mentioned it to me too, and unfortunately that day I, I had something where I wasn't going to be able to make it out to out to the Shadow Champlain. So it's you know good on you to represent. And I still chimed in. I think I, I yeah I texted the uh, the uh, their text line and I asked a question and stuff like that. So it's um, I made sure that it was you know that I, I got in a question even though you were uh, there on you know there on site so anything mm-hmm. in particular that you learned about through this experience when it came to i guess we could say because it, it is television with them being on for those who didn't know and, and don't watch rod i mean it's uh it's on game plus which is available here in quebec uh, but it is mm-hmm. also available on on facebook and you and youtube etc but he's a he is a uh he used to be, you know, the voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and so he does a uh, a daily uh, sports show during the week, two hours each day, mm-hmm. and he he and it's not just a Saskatchewan thing. Uh, he talks about everything, so it's you know it's something that as I said Cliff has been on a couple of times. So we he does talk about everything. Um, but uh, anything that did you happen to learn from from this is something that was behind the scenes that you didn't know about or you were, there were misconceptions about um i'm just curious to know if, if there was that you know that type of inf- thing that you happen to find out well again it's hard to say because i've never been at the studio in regina so i don't know like i'm, I'm gonna assume that the setup that they had there was i don't want to say thrown together necessarily but it certainly wasn't the usual setup but mm-hmm. i mean rod being the pro that he is made, made it work uh to me i, I don't know if there was anything really different per se but i mean i like I said, what I took away from it more than anything else was I, I definitely see the show going, growing by leaps and bounds and being able to do things like being able to do live location shots like this. Yeah. I mean, starting start out small. You know, you go to Montreal, maybe go to Toronto for another big event. And then I, I know there's uh, actually talk of, uh, you know, maybe doing things uh, down the States once the travel restrictions are uh, are opening up again. Right. Uh, and if that's the case, I mean, like, I know the Game Plus Network is also available in the United States as well. And people also watch on Facebook Live and YouTube. So, I, I mean, there's definitely a big following right now. So, I mean, I, I could definitely see a scenario where any major sporting event happening, I could see the Rod Peterson show being a part of that. And to me, that that's awesome. Like, that's, like I said, that's just growing your brand by leaps and bounds. And to me, that's what makes such a, a phenomenal experience for everybody. Exactly, and uh, I, I, I said you're there. You're able to represent the show, and uh, hopefully, get to some more listeners. So, if any of any of you are listening now, uh, we welcome you to listening to the uh, uh, to the podcast for the very first time or the second time, or whatever it is. But uh, uh, we're glad to have you here. Um, 
Cam, dude, so much has happened. I mean, you know, we had ideas this year of people that we wanted to have on where, you know, I was, you know, pretty – people know me and my past history when it comes to football know I was pretty pretty stoked about certain players that we were going to have on the team this year. And and then, dude, it is – it's just crazy to see going into – camp because as we're taping this it's two days before camp starts for for the alouettes Mm -hmm. it's just crazy to see how the landscape has changed not necessarily just in montreal but overall in the cfl when it comes to the players Mm -hmm. no there's a a lot of players they they find out what the covid conditions are as far as what they have to do in order to report to camp and a lot of them just kind of looked at it and said you know what this isn't for me. I'm, I'm just, I'm opting out. I'm not going to bother. I'm going to take my retirement and if things change, we'll see. But as of this moment, I'm, I'm out. And yeah, it's definitely surprising because listen, certain players we had high expectations for, we were really excited to see finally come to camp because let's not forget folks last year, the 2020 season was canceled Mm -hmm. as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of players that, got signed by the Alouettes. And we were really excited to see in, in training camp last year, it didn't happen. So the thought was, okay, well, next year, next year, 2021, they're going to be in camp. It's going to be awesome. And lo and behold, whether it's uh, through free agency or just deciding that the, the you know, a career in Canadian football just wasn't for them anymore, any number of reasons, a lot of these players have just decided that they were just going to take their retirement or just not bother playing at all. And, it's disappointing. I mean, and I get it. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, this is a job. This, these are professionals, but you know, a lot of them have families. A lot of them have to think about the future, especially once they aren't able to play football anymore. And they've got themselves a pretty good job. Are they going to give that up for six months and have to face all sorts of restrictions and have to be told where to eat, what to do, where to sleep? All these, like basically, I don't want to call it consider it like a prison, but at the same time, like you don't have the same freedoms that most people do. And you take yeah. a look around at what's going on throughout Canada, especially too. A lot of the restrictions that were placed on us early on are now starting to lift or ease up at least. Now, we, for the most part, we can, you and I can go about our business, you know, with little to no no problems. CFL players right now, like they're in quarantine until camp starts yeah they can't go out they can't they can't go to the mall they can't go to the restaurant uh i mean all they can do is stay in their room go down to the gym in the hotel and eventually once they pass i think they have to have three negative covid tests after five days or something like that and then they can go to the the practice facility yeah and play but that's it like literally that's it so and and we've seen news to come out recently uh, it looks like there are some ongoing talks, and we'll talk about this a little bit more, but there are, are some ongoing talks where it looks like the the PA and the CFL are, are going to, and I guess the local health agencies are, are trying to make this, to reduce some of these uh, hurdles, I guess we could say, for, for the players when it comes to what they're able to do and what they aren't able to do. Whether it's a vaccinated versus not vaccinated thing, or we we don't know some of some of that, you know, some of that information. But things, I guess, things are very fluid, and they seem that they could change at any time, just as as easily as you know, as Quebec could could 
you know, change the rules when it comes to how many people can be in a certain location, how many times where you can get, you know, where you can join inside or, or that type of thing. So it's, um, it, it's going to be a very unique scene. But I think what people need to remember too is, though, is, is that the NHL basically just got finished doing it, you know? So it's, I, I, and the, I don't and that's know. a whole different thing as well. And I'm pretty sure, imagine the players, Alouette's players that are coming into Montreal, knowing full well that the Canadians are in the Stanley Cup, knowing also that only 3,500 fans are allowed inside the Bell Centre. Meanwhile, you've got at least three times that outside of the Bell Centre, standing mm-hmm. shoulder to shoulder, not everybody wearing masks. No. they got to be saying to themselves, what the hell? Like, I, I'm locked up here like a prisoner. And everybody else in Montreal gets to, you know, dilly dally about and they can you know, go and whoop it up in front of a, a hockey you know hockey arena and you know devil may care attitude and like and I'm, I'm sitting here like like stuck eating like whatever boxed food they bring in and the only exercise i have is to go outside and into a little courtyard area perhaps or even into like whatever these little gyms that they have at the hotel yeah i mean that's gotta be frustrating as hell for these players i mean like folks i hope you understand and appreciate just what these guys are going through just to be able to entertain you so if you're thinking about like you know you, you if you're an Alouettes fan and you're not sure if you want to make it to the games this year or anything like that you just you, you want to know if you know you want you want to get your entertainment values worth let me tell you right now these players are are making incredible sacrifices just to entertain you so I swear to God you you've got to be a part of the, if if you're allowed to be you've got to be a part of this football team in the stands as much as possible yeah. as, lo- as as many as people allow. And tuning in, and buying the merch, and doing whatever it takes to support this team, because quite frankly, these guys are sacrificing a hell of a lot just for you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now let's go back for a real because we're going to touch on this because there's a lot more to talk about when it comes to the the rosters and how, and all the changes, etc. You know, the Alouettes. I was able to reach out to the Alouettes and get some information when because you know the Alouettes really had not put out any information, knowing especially about camp when it came to fans. Etc. You know what was going to be allowed this season and where they were going to hold it. So I was able to reach out to the Owls and they they contacted me and they let me know as as we now know now know is that no fans are going to be allowed at training camp this year, which is by the way being held over at the Olympic Stadium, right. um, not necessarily indoors, but I think anybody who's there, I think it was. Three years was it? Three years ago, Cliff, when they had uh, it there specifically. Yeah, three years ago. Yeah, three years ago, where they had it on the field in between the the tower and Saputo Stadium, mm-hmm. on that field there. So, no fans are allowed to go um, because of the CFL protocols. And I know there are some restrictions. As I found out today, there are some restrictions when it came to even for reporters. Mm-hmm. So there will be some coverage. Um. But all, but currently, all interviews are going to be done uh, virtually. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what, what's your what's your thought on that, Cliff? I mean, obviously, as fans, we're bummed because I mean, I didn't spend I didn't spend as nearly as much time at camp as you did. But what what are your thoughts when well I, when I basically told you what happened, and then I guess the the team kind of confirmed uh, I guess today with the press release that i received you know that it was going to be fanless for 2021 Mm -hmm. it's disappointing because i've i've said for years like this is the way you get fans excited about the upcoming football season is letting letting them see these guys in action 
and I get it. I get the fact that with COVID, I mean, there's so many things that have to change and so many things you can't go back to normal just yet, especially when it comes to something like this. I mean, mm-hmm. we're, we're so accustomed to be able to go and sit in the stands like we normally would, whether it was at Percival Molson Stadium, at Olympic Stadium, or even back when the training camp was held out in uh, Lenoxville. And then being able to interact with the players afterwards, like do the the whole meet and greet, and you know, fans always like the fact that they can you know get autographs and take pictures and all that stuff. And this year, that's just not going to happen, which really sucks because it kind of takes away from the whole. The thing that makes the Canadian Football League so special is just that fan interaction with the players. Like that's the thing that helps build those relationships, helps forge the bonds between the fans and the team, mm-hmm. and to be able to not have that again. Nobody's fault, really. I mean, it's just it's just the, the unfortunate circumstances that have befallen us. And it's just it's just disappointing more than anything else to at least not be able to watch. Like I could understand if they said, OK, you can sit in the stands. You got to be socially distanced. But unfortunately, we can't let you come and talk to the players. And OK, that would be a bummer. But all right, at least you know, at least give us at least be able to watch the football action. But apparently, no, apparently that's even that's not uh, permissible. So it's. It's kind of a kick in the teeth, to be honest with you, but I get it. I understand, and all all nine teams are like this right now. So yeah. it's not like any one team is like, "Haha, we get to watch our players and you don't." Like it's it's nothing like that. Like I mean, this is a, a league wide thing. So I mean, like nobody's being singled out, especially here in Montreal. No, I yeah, like, and I'm I'm bummed too. Obviously, I mean, I was willing to, and obviously at the time we thought thought it was going to be at uh, at uh, Percival Molson, mm-hmm. but. I was willing to, and I think I still would, I, there would have been no thought of, you know, it's like probably going to be like it is going into being able to sit in Percival Molson this year for the games where you're going to have to be masked, which mm-hmm. I get. I have no problem with that, you know. Me neither. So I, I wish, and, and it's not that many, and you, you can contest to this. I mean, not very many people did show up. Some did, but Percival Molson is such a huge place that you could we could sit almost anywhere we want. I mean, yeah, I mean, like the like I said, the, it's more the diehard fans that are going to be at camp. You're not going to get like ten thousand people watching a training camp session. That that's just not going to happen. No, I mean, no, this is the states it, in, in it, high school it, football. No, I mean, even a thousand fans is like a, a pie in the sky kind of thing that you, maybe you see that out in Saskatchewan. Like, it, really truthfully, if you got like a hundred people. At the first day of training camp, that was a success. Like mm-hmm. that was, and again, that's those are the diehards that I'm talking about, the ones that truly love the team and are gonna, they are just so they're jonesing so badly for football, like that they'll come for those sessions. Yeah. But by and large, usually training camp sessions are, you know, just people show up if they can, kind of thing, and they they watch and okay, because it's not a real game. So like to a lot of fans too, like they're just like okay, well, they're just doing drills, whatever. Like, and that's fine. I, I get that, but. Just to be able to not have that, at least that first day of camp where fans can come in and, as I said, even if you couldn't interact with the players this year because of the circumstances of COVID, even if we all sat in the stadium, like socially distanced, yeah. like everybody's six feet apart kind of thing, yeah. personally, I wouldn't see a problem with that. And if you said, okay, you also have to, even though it's an open air stadium, you still have to wear a mask. Sure. No problem. I wouldn't have a problem with that. And yeah. I'm pretty sure fans, anyone who's desperate enough to see their football team play even or practice or whatever – I think they'd be willing to make that sacrifice as well. I, I don't think that'd be an issue whatsoever. But again, I understand why the rules are the way they are. It's obviously for everybody's protection mm-hmm. in the lo- at, at the end of the day. But it doesn't make it any less disappointing to know that, you know, unfortunately, fans are just this year at least are not going to be welcome at training camp. 
And and it goes to my my thought here, and I understand again. You know, there really wasn't anything. I think we kind of knew, but it, I think we, as fans, we were waiting to hear some sort of official announcement from the team, which I wish they they would have done. I mean, it's uh, yes, we can assume you know we, that we could have gone in masks, et cetera, you know, and even with the with the current you know CFO COVID protocols. You know, we just don't get to see the players, you know, like you and I would normally do and wait and, and you know, say our haze and, haze and whatever when they, when camp was over, you know, the practice was over for that day. Mm-hmm. I am just hoping that the Alouettes and their brass decide, uh, hopefully will let fans know really, I, and I understand when our first game is, our first home game is, but, and I understand things are changing. But you really need to let fans know how the hell it's going to work and how many people are going to be allowed in stadium. If it is just going to be season ticket holders, okay. Are seats changing? They, You know what I mean? They need mm-hmm. to let us know week one, which is our bye week. They need to let fans know. And again, I understand things can change on a dime. But if you're stating that you're going to allow fans in, I mean, usually you're seeing, I mean, you know, I'm seeing stuff in the news where, you know, evidence of having this, it looks to have this huge opening party versus Ottawa in stands, and they want to sell 35,000 seats. You know, I mean, I'm. That's, that's bold. <laughs> it's bold. Now, mind you, it does seat 55. Are they still going to space them? I don't know what's happening. Mm-hmm. So, and I understand each province is different, but you guys, you, you know, Alowitz, you know, execs, you got to let the fans know. You can't mm-hmm. just assume and, you know, we're a week before the game comes up. Oh, this is how we're doing it. You really can't do that this year. No. And again, I, I see every, practically every tweet from the Alowitz from their Twitter account contains that link about, you know, make sure you're there live this year. Uh-huh. Like, you know, like really pushing to sell those season tickets and and such, and which again they should be, but at the same yeah. time too, like okay, that's that's all well and good, but what once you've invested, now what? Tell that, us, and, yeah, tell us how. You know, because God God forbid we get into a scenario where they the government says okay, you can only have say five thousand fans, and let's say you just sold ten thousand season tickets, so. At what point do you, which five thousand fans are you pretty much going to say? Oh, well, uh, I'm I'm under the impre- I'm under the impression that the owls don't. Uh, I, I, and I know I'm just being I'm just being devil's advocate here. The, the owls don't have that many <laughs> season tickets. Well, listen, last year, uh, Danny Machocha and uh, Mario Cicchini had talked about the fact that they were selling a lot of season tickets last sure. year. Yeah. Okay. And now, it provided if if those are sold and they just rolled over into twenty twenty one, maybe then, like uh, again, you could you could see, be closer to that number than you think. So, right. and, and by the way, this is just as this is live as I'm doing it, because everybody, if you don't know, but everybody should know by now that the Alouettes are not doing season ticket season ticket member cards like they have been for the past couple of seasons, nor. Are they going to be doing physical seat, physical tickets either? It's all going to be digital. You know, your, right. your phone will be your ticket, basically. 
Yeah, so if you don't um, have a smartphone, and well, thankfully, I think everybody and their mother has a smartphone nowadays. Right, I don't think it's really right. an issue. But I'm currently looking at the at the ticket portal for the Alouettes, their dashboard, and currently all seven games have been put in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I find interesting is that the dates it, it's the start it says starts and it says two dates to be confirmed, and I'm like what <laughs> uh, yeah i thought that was already done <laughs> yeah but it does actually say here delivery method is by mobile ticket mm-hmm. so that there's no change there no it's just a matter of you need to let us know you know not every i don't think every season ticket will may think of doing what i'm doing right now you need the the, the team needs to just keep us up to date and let us know asap yeah, absolutely. I think that's it's imperative as to be as open and transparent, especially to as things change, because like you said, things could turn on a dime and that go in the bad way or the good way. Mm-hmm. And we're obviously hoping for the good way, making sure that everything improves so that you know, as the season goes on, that, you know, let's say you start with 5,000 in the stands, we increase to 10,000 yeah. and 15 and 20 and so on. And then next, you know, hopefully by the end of the season, we're, we're selling out every game because the Alouettes are playing so well. That's yeah. that's the hope. But at the same time, you got to be make sure that you're able to roll with those changes. So and keep, as you said, keep the keep the fans, your your customers, essentially, yeah, keep them abreast as to what's going on. Keep them in the loop. Like like leaving people in the dark is the worst possible thing you can do, especially when it comes to football. Seeing as how starved fans are for Canadian football, as well as the fact that the Yellow West have to be starved as well from not having any revenue from last year. Yep. Uh, I mean, aside from whatever merch they sold last year, they they had nothing last year. So they got to be jonesing to get back on the field, too. So, I mean, it, it works both ways. But, again, you cannot keep people in the dark. It, it's just, it just does not make any sense. I agree. I agree. And hopefully, again, uh, any other information that we receive from the Alouettes that may give an update to this? Because um, I think, Cliff, you're going to be speaking with a, a, a ticket rep over the next couple of days. And maybe we can get some more information that way. Um, but we either Cliff myself or through our uh, through the flight deck uh, social media, we'll make sure that we give you the information that we find out and uh, make sure we keep you abreast on what's going to happen for the return of fans to Percival Molson for the first time in 600 plus days. So how it's going to be. Yeah, 600 plus days. So um, before we continue with these many, many changes that are happening, uh, not only in the league, but specific with the Alouettes. Um, we want to make sure just that we remind you that we are on social media. There are places that where you can find us, whether it be on uh, on you know, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, uh, YouTube. Where you know, if you want to hear the the shows that we've done in the past, there are many places to do so. Also, whether it be uh, the newest one over on YouTube, whether it be over at AlouettesFlightDeck.ca, or, or any other. Um, podcast aggregate you can find all the information there and i know we are trying to to put out you know some some information when it comes to doing certain certain things not necessarily uh show related but we're trying to make it uh, the social media uh, experience as best as possible and stay tuned i can say stay tuned because uh specifically for the month of august we have something very very uh something interesting to uh, uh, to announce to you guys in the next couple of weeks and uh, I'll just leave it at that nothing like leaving you leaving it off with a teaser so um, <laughs> always leave them wanting more exactly but stay tuned for that um, it's something that we that 
we hope will turn into something very big. So, um, Cliff, now I, d- I don't know where we can start because I-, I don't know if it's the roster itself. I mean, the roster itself. Wow. You know, we, it's funny where we joke. Usually the beginning of the season or if there are a lot of injuries or stuff like that, that, you know, we'll always say that, oh, well, you know, if you need if you need to know your players, make sure you get a roster, you know, mm-hmm. so you can identify them in the new numbers, et cetera. Well, that happens to be the exact thing that's happening uh, this season itself, because Again, where should we start with the roster itself, or with with the people? Because I don't. I'm trying to remember that. I think this is really the first time where we've had to go through a, you know, the beginning right before a training camp, where technically the roster really has changed quite a bit from what as it was in the off season, even though it has been 600 days. But you know, it's funny to say that this early right leading up to training camp this early in the season the i guess the word of the day or the word of the moment is retired mhm what's what is your thought on that and and see if you can give, give give our listeners a little bit more clarification on what what I'm actually talking about well again with with the fact that these so many of these players are i'm calling an opt out i mean officially they are retired I mean, when you when you think about retired, it means they'll never ever play again, and that's not necessarily the case. Like a lot of the, it's, I, it's more legalese than anything else. I, I mean, agree, agree, because because if if they don't send the paperwork to the league office, it's it's just a word, right? But again, if a player player is basically telling the, the team that look, I, based on any number of reasons, I'm not going to be a camp. Mm-hmm. And at that point, it's a matter of, okay, well, you're not going to be a camp. Uh, you're not going to be a camp. <laughs> so how, how, do, how, do you, how, do you, how do you work that? So essentially, you just basically tell them that, okay, they've retired, and that's it. We move on. There's other players that will take their spot kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Now, again, the Alouettes, I think they do, in, in many cases, do retain the rights from a lot of these players. Yes. Because, again, if you were going to play, you'd be playing for the team that you signed a contract with or were drafted by. So, in that sense, there's it's it's still kind of murky as far as how it all goes. But the long and short of it is a lot of players will not be in camp this year that we expected to be at camp. And whether or not they come back as the season progresses, only time's going to tell. I think a, a lot of it has to do with the protocols are in place as far as being able to participate in the Canadian Football League this year. And again, a lot of players have looked at that, looked at their financial situation, looked at their family situation and decided, you know what, I just can't. It's not feasible. I just cannot make this work. The ones that have that are able to make it work are in Montreal, currently quarantining at a hotel. The ones that can't, they're not here. Simple as that. So as far as I'm concerned, it's unfortunate because there's a lot of players that are really looking forward to seeing play for the Alouettes or at least be in camp to see if they get a chance to make the team. Mm -hmm. They're not going to be here. So I'd rather focus now at this point on the players that are going to be here, that are going to be at camp. And let's face it, there's still a lot of really good players that are going to be a part of this team and are definitely going to help the Alouettes continue the success that they had in 2019, as far as I'm concerned. A lot of the core guys that made up this team last year are back and going to be back. 
and I'm really excited to see what they do, especially with the player, the new players that are coming on board, and see how they interact with this the this nucleus that's already in place. Mm-hmm. To me, that's the the one story that going into this training camp that I'm looking forward to is seeing a lot of these additions that Danny Machocha had made. And let's not forget, he took over this team just before COVID hit. So a lot of the players that he signed that we've never actually seen them in an Alouette's uniform. We right. don't know how how it's going to work whether these moves were great moves or not like that's i don't want to say we want to judge the work that he's done but we want to see if the moves that he made were the right ones and the only way we're going to do that is seeing these players in action now we're finally going to get the opportunity to see that the players that were drafted last year that never got a training camp never got a chance to participate in a season this is their time now in addition to the 2021 draft picks right. that are going to be in camp there's a couple that won't be in camp because they've already stated that they're going to be staying they're, they're staying in school and not going to they're not going to you know they're going to defer to 2022 which is fine but the ones that are going to be in camp they're now competing against the 2020 draft picks in addition to the veterans that are already in place i know i mean it is it's exciting to me because like, you you just don't know which way it's going to go like there's a lot of question marks there's a lot of uh potential scenarios in place yeah and it to me, that that's what I'm looking forward to more than anything else. There's certain players that we know are going to be superstars, and there's a lot of players that we look at and like, okay, they got the potential, but are they going to fit within this Alouette's team? And to me, that's that's the thing that's going to be the most interesting as training camp gets started this weekend. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm sorry, I don't care what you say. I'm judging Danny Matrocha now. Now, sorry, he he hasn't done enough. He's gone. He's gone. <laughs> hey, you're only as good as your last transaction, right? So. <laughs> exactly. I, yeah. I did seven Alouette players, and I know you said we have a lot of people, but we still have to, we still have to at least talk about these names. I mean, seven of them have come up as retired, and I think the interesting thing too, by the way, and I don't think we've really paid attention that much to it. I guess is that I'm trying to remember, you know. Not only is retired one of the words that is being used quite a bit during this off season leading up to camp, is so is so is suspended. Mm-hmm. And usually we think of suspended as something that you know something nefarious that they've done something wrong or, or, or whatever it may be, but mm-hmm. that's not necessarily the case this season. No, you know because they can't make it to camp for whatever reason that they've been suspended. Right. So, but first, uh, uh, and there are some huge names, and we have to at least give them a little bit of, give them their due, on on these players that did retire. I mean, I'm just I'm just looking at these names right now, and I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, I, and this is just since June, uh, the end of June. Mm-hmm. You know, Andrew Becker, uh, yep. a national O lineman, uh, Hugo Richard. Now that one popped. Did that surprise you at all? Uh, a bit, just because again, he made his bones as a quarterback and. Obviously, with the Alouettes, well, any CFL team really truly only being able to designate two players as a quarterback. Mm-hmm. The, the curiosity for me was going to be how are they going to get Richard into the game if need be, if, if they had him as an emergency quarterback. Right. But obviously, he would have to be listed as another position. I know he had been taking some reps as safety back in 2019 on the practice squad. And God forbid, I guess, you know, you, you want to keep him available. It, it, just in case, God forbid, either Vernon Adams or Matthew Schiltz goes down to injury. But now I guess he just thought with the, with the situation like that and also, too, with the idea that there's only two quarterbacks that can be dressed. I don't know how insistent he was about being a quarterback in the Canadian Football League, but I wonder if that was one of, one of the many reasons why he decided that uh, 
it just wasn't worth trying to pursue, uh, you know, going through training camp and going through the rigors of training camp just right. to be told that, yeah, we don't see you as a quarterback anymore. We see you as a safety or a linebacker or something else. And, you know, maybe if someone gets hurt, we might be able to throw you in as quarterback. Did but, he think, uh, though, that he was going to become like a, another Brad Sinopoli? I never got that impression. I, I think it was a matter of I, I really who also, by the won- way, retired. <laughs> That's right. He did. Um, and again, he and uh, Mark Olivia Bruglia are prime examples of hot quarterbacks in the uh, in the U sports. Mm-hmm. Had great careers as quarterbacks, but realistically, we're never going to see the field as quarterbacks. I yeah. mean, Sinopoli did get a bit more of a chance to do so than what Bruglietti did, but at the end of the day, they ended up switching positions and. To their benefit, because they ended up with very successful careers. Look at, uh, you know, Marco had a, a very great career yeah. here in Montreal. Yeah. Brad Sinopoli definitely had a good good run with the, the Calgary Stampeders, playing quarterback a little bit. But once he switched to receiver and ended up going to Ottawa, had a fantastic career there as well. So yeah. sometimes switching is the best thing for you. But, I mean, if you're adamant about wanting to be a quarterback, especially here in Montreal, I mean, this is Vernon Adams' team. Uh, Matthew Schultz has proven he can definitely carry the load if needed as well. But again, you can only dress two quarterbacks, or you can only designate two players as quarterbacks. I should say. I mean, technically, you can dress anybody as a quarterback. But I'm going to be realistically. See, I'm going to be yeah. interested to see, and, and and I'm going off topic. I'm interested to see who 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 would be considered the third quarterback. I don't want to get to that point, but I'm curious. Once the once the rosters are filled out, who who would be considered third? But we'll, we'll figure that out. Yeah, they they did. Sign, there are bringing some quarterbacks to camp. Like there are some camp arms. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, realistically, I mean, this is Vernon Adams' show yeah, and also Matthew Schiltz. Exactly. Uh, one that people will know that I've talked about, and if you know me as a, a, from Arena and stuff like that, the one I'm bummed about is Malachi Jones, uh, an Arena League superstar, uh, in my opinion. Uh, he, de- he decided to, to retire. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss not having Malachi here. I, I think fans – I honestly think fans uh, – I understand why Malachi did what he did. Uh, but I think if you hadn't seen him play, I think you guys, uh, I'm sad that you guys are going to miss out not being able to see him play. This guy was a good wide receiver, a very good wide receiver. And I could I could have seen him become a CFL star, but I, I understand COVID. COVID took it took uh, its toll. I mean, uh, you know, he, opportunities came to some of these players during the, uh, during the, the, you know, during the pandemic. And it is what it is. It is what it is. So, but, uh, um, uh, Zach, uh, uh, Zach Wilkerson, uh, O-line, another national, also retired. Bo Banner, yep, another national, retired. Um, I mean, those are, and those are two young players that I thought were going to be a big part of this nucleus going forward with the Alouettes, mm-hmm. especially with the re- retirement of John Bowman. Mm-hmm. I thought Bo Banner was probably the one that would most likely be able to step up into Bowman's place and be that superstar. Right. And no, unfortunately, that's just not going to happen. Yeah, so then, that's... Yeah, That's and, a bummer. And then somebody we just spoke with recently during the offseason, Natea J, he also mm-hmm. retired. And yeah, by the way, that, I, that's, that's two wide receivers right there. And I was like, what? <laughs> and let's not forget, too, Natea is a national receiver. Exactly. So, I mean, that is going to be a big question mark. That was, when you talk about like, some of the topics that are coming up as far as like training camp goes, like one of the big things for me was going to be national receiver. Because you had uh, guys like uh, Felix Faubert-Lucier, who also announced his retirement. Yep. yep. So, I mean, I, initially your first thoughts are it's either going to be Faubert Lucier or it's going to be Nate Ajay as far as the national receiver position goes. 
even though you've got some really talented youngsters like uh, Kion Julian Grant and uh, Chris Osikusi, who, again, given the opportunity, are going to become playmakers. Mm-hmm. But like, obviously, you want to go with the you know the skilled veterans, and that's what uh, Ajay and uh, Fulbert Lucia were. But now with them out of the picture, someone's going to have to step up and be that national receiver. So now, that, to me, that's going to be the interest. One of the many interesting stories going into this training camp is who's going to step up and be that national receiver for the Alouettes. Exactly. Um, also, I don't think any of us saw this coming either. Uh, Martin Bedard. I kind of saw the writing on the wall, oh, unfortunately. You? Okay. Uh, I mean, I got nothing but love for Marty. I mean, he was a, a big part of those two back-to-back Grey Cup championships. And in fact, with the retirement of John Bowman and now the retirement of Martin Bedard, this team no longer has any active players who were a part of those back-to-back Grey Cup championships. That's true. In fact, the only member truly of the that back-to-back Grey Cup championship that's even on on the staff is Luc Bredor Jodin, the offensive line coach now for the Alouettes, mm-hmm. and Anthony Calvillo, who's also a, an ambassador, but right. he's not part of the staff, so to speak. But I, 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 mean, but I, I digress. <laughs> uh, but I, 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 being a long snapper is is such a you know they, they they always seem to have long careers. You look at the NFL, you look at CFL. They all seem to always have long careers. They don't. They're are they really? They I don't think they're a diamond dozen. I mean, who is <laughs> who who is our long snapper? Who was our backup long snapper last year? Uh, sorry, uh, tw- twenty nineteen. Uh, well, that's the thing. Uh, a couple of guys were actually taking reps as uh, backup snapper, but our current snapper now, as by default, is uh, Pierre Luc Caron, who played for the Calgary Stampeders and was signed with the Alouettes in the in free agency. Okay. So Montreal managed to replace a, a Quebec-born long snapper with another Quebec-born long snapper. So yeah. in that sense, I don't think the Alouettes are going to miss a beat. But I, like I said, I, I've been a huge fan of Marty's for a long time. And it's, you know, I, I get it. I, I, you know, like you said, COVID's taken its toll on on everybody, really. Yeah. And it's, you know, it would have been nice to see him kind of go out for the at least that one last game, like that one last home game to say goodbye to the fans, kind of like what LBJ did in 2019. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, that's just the situation we're in right now. So yeah. it's it's unfortunate, but, uh, you know, definitely wish up Marty all the best because, as I said, just an absolutely fantastic human being and a great player on the field as well. That's the thing about long snappers, too, is you don't notice them until they're not playing. Yeah. Because when someone comes in, especially when they're cold, you, you notice right away. Like a good long snapper, they're not a diamond dozen, just to let you know. they, they <laughs> yeah. A good long snapper is hard to find. So if you yeah. find one, you keep them. And that's what the Alouettes did for years with Bedard. But uh, I think they'll be okay with Pierre Ducaron as, as well. I think uh, I, I don't think they're going to miss a beat in, in that regards. Um, also, uh, we're talking about, as you said, uh, uh, Felix Fulberto Lucier, and also somebody who was put on suspended, by the way, on the, on the 6th. Was actually transferred to retired, and that was Jason Lozano again. Yeah, and a lot of people were really expecting him to become a huge part of the offensive line here in Montreal. Uh, he's he won a great cup with the Red Blacks in 2016. Uh, had a very solid career in Ottawa, um, but you know, sometimes that you get you get a taste for that home cooking. So I guess he wanted mm-hmm. to be back. Uh, Back in Quebec, so you know, I was very curious to see how he was going to fit in with this line, and lo and behold, he ends up uh, retiring as well. 
So that I, I won't say that's a massive loss for the Alouettes. I mean, it's it's tough because, I mean, this offensive line is a very cohesive unit, but also one that's seen a lot of change as well. Uh, so now I'm curious to see who's going to slot in for tackle because that's that was assumed. It was basically his job to lose the right tackle position for the Alouettes. But now we're going to have to see if uh, some of these youngsters like uh, uh, Samuel Thomason or Sean Jamison, who's, uh, you know, these guys are typically guards. Are they going to slot over to the tackle position? Uh, David Foucault also, who's not a rookie, but uh, like for years he's been a guard for out in the BC for the Lions. Does he swing over to tackle now? Because he's got the experience at least. So, I mean, once again, this is another one of those uh, scenarios where you don't know what's going to happen and you won't know until training camp gets underway. Yeah, and we were talking about uh, wide receivers before for national wide receivers. Luckily, and I think it's a surprise to both of us, is that, because you actually had to point it out to me because I actually missed it, missed it the first time, uh, was, was Rashawn Simonize. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he is an he is a national wide a national wide receiver that the Owls signed on uh, officially signed on the thirtieth of June. And I was very surprised because, like, how, how do you not notice an arena player? <laughs> well, hello, his cu- <laughs> you know what? T- to be honest, his, his cup of coffee, even though he technically was the first ever U um, sport player in the Arena Football League. Um, his cu- his he didn't have there very much of a cup of coffee with the with the Baltimore Brigade, <laughs> so I knew the name. I remember making a huge big deal out of it on on the other site that I work for for Arena Football. But yeah, it's yeah I I, I you know what I dropped the ball. You know, sorry, coach. Um, <laughs> um, what are your thoughts? And we talked about it before. What are your thoughts on the players that were suspended? Obviously, Lausanne Seguin is not a part of that anymore. Quan Bray, this whole thing that we everybody remembers or should remember the situation. He got into some legal problems in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, was by the way, he was always on the roster. If I remember correctly, even though he was in he was in some legal problems, the Owls never suspended him. The Owls, you know, they never. You know, something that if that like that, I guess they were taken to innocent, innocent before uh, before proven guilty, which is good. That, yeah. And that was the prevailing thing, even talking with other members of the organization in regards to him, because we were surprised. We thought, OK, like he, he was involved in some pretty serious stuff or at mm-hmm. least, you know, like serious enough anyways that you have to wonder, like, would they even let him back across the border as a result of this? And the one thing that everybody was saying was like, it isn't until proven guilty. Like they believed enough in him and his abilities that if, as long as he wasn't in jail, you know, they'd find a way to get him up here. And lo and behold, they, they were going to do that. And everything looked like he was going to be able to make his way back to Montreal until, until not. (laughs) And now, now we do know why, because during the, uh, during the, press conference or the media availability that was made the other day for the Alouettes by the league. Uh, it was told to us, you know, that he currently has some issues with his paperwork. Uh, you know, coach Kahari made sure that he was the one who mentioned this. Um, so we may not see Quan until after camp, but I guess I guess that's a good thing. I mean, I hope he's ready. That's the main thing. It looks like a lot of these guys seem to be ready um, when it comes to staying in shape over the uh, over the uh, pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, 
any thoughts? I mean, I understand. I mean, it's we've seen this before where players have had issues when it comes to getting their visas, et cetera, to be able to come up here. Um, can this hurt or help Quan? I think it can help him. I mean, it, it, again, he it was a very tricky and very delicate situation that he was in. So I understand, again, it's the legalese more than anything else. Mm-hmm. And again, if he can get all of his ducks in a row and he's able to be allowed back into the country and do everything he's supposed to do, all indications were that he was ready to go. He was ready to play. Like he had been working out with Vernon Adams and other receivers of the Canadian Football League, and he was definitely keeping himself in shape. Like he's ready to go. Like he's ready to continue his career as a football player. Whether or not the Canadian government's going to let him into the border in order to do so, once again, this is you know, there's, I guess there's a lot of red tape to get through. Understandably, so right. If if that's the case, if he is able to get through and come across, and it may not be until after the season gets underway, so be it. I mean, like to, to me, like we saw what he did in 2019. He was a phenomenal player. I think he's got potential to be one of the superstars here in the league. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I hope he learned his lesson as far as what went on with his situation down in the states. Hopefully, he he's gotten past that, and we can all get past it and move forward. And if he can come up here and and contribute. Even if it's later on in the season, I'm all for it. So I really hope it does work out that he's able to get his paperwork situation sorted out and he can come up and be a part of the Salowitz team in 2021. I am wondering how much leeway that the Owls are going to give him. I I understand. I mean, it, the documents issue was, you know, was of his own making, really. Mm-hmm. Um they, well, and they, let's stu- not they this. stood by him. They stood by him all this time. I'm wondering, you know, I think him not being in camp, if he doesn't get here for, if he's not here by week two of camp, in all honesty, Cliff, I would not be surprised if somebody else has stepped up. Well, someone else is going to have to step up. I mean, and this is the opportunity in order to do so. Like I said, there's a couple of young national receivers that are going to have to step up. There's a couple of young American receivers as well, and other like draft picks, for example. Like, like there's a lot of young talent that could. Again, we didn't know Quan Bray from a hole in the wall back in 2019. He just burst onto the scene and wowed everybody. Yeah, there's probably at least four or five other guys on this roster that could be the next Quan Bray, the next William Stanback, the guy that just all of a sudden you, 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 he steps up and just blows the doors off of everybody. We don't know, and we won't know until camp gets underway. So. I think the Alouettes, they definitely know what they have in Quan Bray. I definitely want him to be a part of this team. But at the same time, they're going to sit around and hold his spot. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, this is a competition. That's what training camp is, is a competition. And it's very much what have you done for me lately. So, it, yep. I mean, like you said, if he only gets here by, say, week two of camp or later, yeah, he'll get his opportunity. But at the same time, the Alouettes at that point may have had one or two guys that have really stepped up and just been outstanding. Mm-hmm. And now Quan's going to have to go against those guys. And like, listen, these guys have been here since day one. They've been balling out. If you can beat those guys, yeah, you, you got your spot. But it's not going to be easy, especially considering, you know, he's going to have, like, he gets his paperwork cleared. He's going to have to do the quarantine thing. Yeah. And all that. Like, it's, you know, it, it's, that's the thing. I know. Like, time is ticking kind of, kind of thing. So, realistically i don't know if it's going to be he may it just may be one of those things like he may have to wait until after camp is done and at that time 
perhaps the spot will have been taken by someone else. And at that point, it really is going to become a comp- a, another competition within the competition. Yeah, because are they going to drop somebody if he goes onto the onto the uh, taxi squad? I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of different variables. I mean, think about it too. We're talking about natural receiver, natural receivers. Spencer Moore is also on the suspended list. You know, yep. DJ Lalama's on the suspended list. Do- yep, Do- and- Donald Hawkins, and we're all talking nationals. Mm-hmm. No, and DJ Lalama was the one guy that I was really looking forward to seeing because I thought he was going to be the easy replacement for Henock Mwamba. Like I thought, again, this is like he's he's played the position extremely well and been a special teams demon but i think this was going to be the year that he was going to step up and truly be the man on offense especially in the middle with the 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 linebacking core that's here in montreal Mm -hmm. and i get it i understand why he's got some personal uh and professional matters to tend to at home before he can become a part of this alouettes team as as it's been by the way as it's been uh mentioned in the press already so this is not something that we're breaking here this is something that's already known right but again there's a lot of guys same idea. Like, there's a lot of guys that can step up and be in that position. That can be that uh, superstar in in waiting. Mm-hmm. And once Lama comes back, I mean, again, I definitely think he he will definitely have his opportunity to win his job. But at the same time, there could be the, those one or two guys that will just step up and be that that massive force. Uh, you know, like like I said, a couple of the uh, the draft picks from last year, like the. Like the couple of linebackers that were taken in the draft last year, I definitely see them wanting to show up because again they didn't have a training camp last year. So exactly now they've got that opportunity, especially too with a national linebacker like Lalama not playing. This is their opportunity. This is their chance to show that yes, I belong here. I should mm-hmm. be a starter mm-hmm. in the Canadian Football League. I don't care about this Lalama guy. I'm here to win his job, and that's the mindset you got to have. Right. And I, I'm sure DJ realizes that too, and he's going to be. Raring to go. I'm sure he's keeping himself in shape. And if and when he does make it to camp, whether it's camp or, like you said, after the season starts, he, it's going to be a fight once again for him to get to become a part of this team again. Yeah. And you know what's funny? Out of all the new players, you know, that have been added, added to the roster recently, as far as I know, there's only one player that's had current reps that should be ready to play. And that's where Sean Simon is, mm-hmm. because he he was he was plucked off the Jacksonville Sharks over in the uh, the National Arena League, so he's been playing indoor football for a couple of weeks. So he's there. You go. He's got field experience. He's, yeah, he's, he's got, game ready. It's just a matter of him ready, getting, getting used to, getting used to the system. Yeah, and it's funny because I once you told me about him a couple of years ago, like I, I saw he, he was part of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He was part yeah. of the BC Lions yeah. and. Didn't get a whole lot of opportunity, but it may just have been the system. And who knows? Maybe with uh, working with a uh, you know coach uh, Robert Flash Gordon, you see the work he's done with guys like Quan Bray and Jake Winecki. Once Rashawn gets into the system here in Montreal, and working with guys like uh, with B.J. Cunningham, Eugene Lewis, Dante Absher, uh, even Naaman Roosevelt, who yeah. again, uh, someone who we have not seen yet in an Alouette uniform. We, we know what he's done in Saskatchewan, but we don't know what he's going to do here in Montreal. If he's going to be like how, how he'll adapt to uh, to playing here. Yeah. So, But again, I, I think that it's a huge opportunity for Simon Eyes to become a part of this roster, especially too at national receiver. Mm-hmm. 
So, I mean, like, there, there's so much here. There's, like, there's so many stories that can come about here in training camp. And that's, uh, again, I can't help but be excited as to the what-ifs that know. this training camp is going to produce. I know. It, 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 it's like its own Marvel series. What if? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So, it's been... It's been put out to the, to the media that there is going to be an inter-squad game over Percival Molson on July 24th. As of that time, Cliff, do you think, how much do you think that, because if you think about it, the Owls basically have an extra week. <laughs> it's not like they're not going to practice right. during their bye week. Um. How set do you think the team will be as of the 24th? Because because obviously, again, it's just an inter-squad game, but at least it will be reps. There will be referees. There will be, you know, I mean, hell, they're, again, they're, it's big enough that they have to move it to Percival Molson. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not going to stay over with the big O and, and play. Well, and also, too, it also gives you the, as a player, it gives you the impression of playing on an actual CFL field mm-hmm. and being in that mindset, that environment, that, under the lights, too. Yeah, so to speak. So to speak. Yeah, yeah. Um, what is concerning me, and you and I were talking about this before the show, is injuries. Because camp's already opened for a couple of teams in the CFL as we are taping this. Well, not officially. Like, they're... they're- as, as I said, once you reach your protocols uh, with COVID, as far as your negative tests and all that, you're allowed to go to the training facilities and right. not necessarily practice, but you can you can pra- uh, not necessarily practice, but you can train, you can do some football things. Right, I mean, it's not, right. It's not actual training camp. But what what concerns me is hearing the news today that four players alone from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders all suffered Achilles injuries. Mm. Now, you and I were talking, again, as I said, we were talking about this before the show. We were trying to remember what it was like, because remember, there was no preseason for the NFL this past season. And we were trying to remember if there were this rash of injuries at the very beginning. And for the teams, at least the team that I follow, the team that you follow, I think there were some, but not to this extent. I would have thought that these play- now I, we understand Achilles injuries can occur in any way. Any injuries yeah. can occur can can happen at any time. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget uh, Darian Durant when he was playing for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Right, he tore his Achilles just doing a, a three a three step drop. He just planted his foot and he stayed there. Ex- exactly, like, exactly. Like he frozen practically because he he heard the pop yeah. and he knew okay this this isn't good and how, he was how. Going into this, I mean, these players seem to be ready from what we've seen on social. They've been doing everything that they need to get to get into shape. But are they really in game shape? I'm just worried that not not just the Alouettes, but you know, but what's happened in Saskatchewan is going to be it's going to be a camp story. It can across be. the league, and that's what that's what scares me. Uh, it should scare everybody. It should scare not just the fans, but players as well. They've yeah. really got to take care of themselves. I mean, yeah, you can do all the training you want, and 
it doesn't replicate an actual game time experience no. and not having a preseason definitely is going to be tough in that regard. I'm, and that's why I'm so happy for that interest squad game because yeah, I mean, you know, it, with, with the CFL and the provinces nixing the rumored, well, they weren't rumored. They, they were, I'll say rumored, the rumored, uh, intra, intra squad games between, you know, originally it was a, what, Saskatchewan and Winnipeg. I think that was the one that yep. was most talked about in mm-hmm. Ottawa and Montreal. Um, you know, they're going, going to be going against each other. We've been to intra-squad games before. Uh, sorry, to scrimmages before. Mm-hmm. When the Owls held one, where was it? <laughs> I was there. Well, well they, have, they have them every year at training camp. No, 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 where uh, they made a big deal about it. Um, and they invited fans to come out. Where was it? And they bust them out. Where where was that? It was in uh, St. Hubert. Thank I think you. it was in 2017. Thank you. That's where it was. So, camp's going to be interesting. I'm glad. That, I'm glad. I'm finally glad that they're on the field. They're going to be on the field. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's concerning. I hope what happened in Saskatchewan is not a sign of what's going to happen across the league. If it is, and we're we're definitely in a lot of trouble because, <laughs> I mean, you're, you've already invited so many players to camp. So many players have already declined going to camp. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's it's that next man up mentality. So you're you you sign lots of players, knowing full well that some of them are just not going to make that trip, and the ones that do make it, they got to be ready. That's all there is to it. I mean, like yeah, you can be in phenomenal shape, but injuries are going to happen. I mean, it's just a matter of just taking care of yourself, making sure you you like you want to you want to put your best foot forward as far as impressing coaches and proving that you do belong on the team. Yeah. But at the same time, you got to take care of yourself. I mean, like especially when Achilles injuries, and you it wasn't even training like it was just training sessions that these guys get hurt. Like like they weren't even lined up against like other players. Like even just like you know. It boggles the mind. That's that's really what it comes down to. It's, it's so so difficult, and it's such a hard thing to wrap my head around. It's like wow, yeah. And this could happen just as easily in Montreal too. And invariably, it will happen. Like people are going to get hurt, and people are going to get cut because they're not they're not in shape. But at the same time, maybe they if someone gets cut, they're probably going to be told to stick around because you know that these injuries are going to pop up and that's your, that could be your ticket back in here. Mm. But, uh, man, I, 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 again, this is why I feel for these players. Like they're in such a tough situation and the fact that they're here and willing to do it, I think just speaks to how badly they want it, how badly they want to be on a football field this year. Like as bad as we, as badly as we want our Canadian football, we want to be in the stands and watching our teams play. These guys want to be on the field playing for us just as badly. So the only thing I can hope for is everybody just stays healthy and just does everything they can to, you know, put your best foot forward, be the best player you can be. But at the same time, you got to take care of yourself, take care of your body and make sure you treat it properly. Yeah. Um, Before we finish up the two more subjects we want to talk about, um, we're going to, one we're gonna one Alouette's related one we're gonna leave till last because I think it's where it deserves to be to end the show on. Um, we have to at least talk because it's been the whole talk of the league in you know over the past couple of days, and obviously it, it was a newsmaker um, 
whether people call it a uh, you know clickbaiting, whether it was uh, wh- whatever term some people have been using as of late, we have to at least talk about the the breakup. <laughs> Is that the best word? I don't know what the word you use with this. The breakup between the XFL and the CFL, or the or the <laughs> a mutual parting of the there, ways. There we go. There we go. I, I, yeah, you were looking for it. I can tell. Yeah, but. I was looking for it. I was like, I was trying to come up with something else just besides that. But yeah, um, I mean, breakup breakup would imply that they were together, and it didn't sound like they were very together at all. No, so. it really didn't. I mean, what do you? I mean, so it seems that the XFL and the CFL aren't a couple anymore. Um. <laughs> they weren't even dating, quite frankly. I think it was like, you know, maybe you know, exchanging messengers like swipe left, swipe right, whatever kids do on the the Tinder or the the Bumble or <laughs> the kids. Chris, do. I don't know. I I'm so out of that. <laughs> um, what are your what what are your thoughts on, on on what is said? I mean, to me, it's okay. It, it is what it is. I think. I honestly think some people in the media are are getting blamed for for reporting that was done that they shouldn't really be getting blamed for. There are some, you know, some, some reporters who are saying that it was a complete waste of time. I mean, it's, we, insiders are insiders for a reason. It doesn't necessarily mean that everything is known. That's why they're insiders. Because as as I can attest to, you can hear one thing from one some one person, and you can hear a completely different thing from somebody else, and that's that's where it becomes iffy on what actually was happening. And, and I think Cliff, that we really don't know what happened. No, and that's why I personally didn't want to speculate anything more on it because from the get go, all they said was it was exploring, like it was just exploring a potential partnership. Now, what does that mean exactly? A lot of people immediately jump to the conclusion of, oh, they're going to merge the two leagues or it's going to be like a, you know, treat them like two separate leagues. But at the same time, it's going to be like a like the National League and American League and the Major League Baseball. Uh, they're going to play it by their own rules kind of thing and then meet up for a championship game kind of thing. I mean, there was so much speculation that ran rampant throughout like the CFL fan base, the XFL fan base, like football in general. Like a lot of people were talking about this and all it was was speculation. All the, the CFL and XFL had ever said from from day one was they're exploring potential opportunities. I mean, that can be anything, really. But everybody just decided to just all of a sudden assume, oh, this is going to happen. Everything's going to change. We're going to lose our three-down football. We're going to have to force be played by rules, blah, blah, blah. They, they just like Everybody, they, all the chicken littles were just going insane, thinking the sky was falling. And as a result, like I, I, just, I sat and looked at this like, Y'all are mad. Like, just step off, step off the ledge a little bit. Like, you know, switch to decaf. I don't know, but you gotta calm the hell down because this is like you're making a mountain out of a molehill here. I, I mean, to me, like, I don't know what really went on. Nobody truly, truly knows what goes, what was going on with those talks, other than Randy Ambrosi and Redbird Capital, who are the owners of the XFL. All right. Whether or not these leagues are gonna work together. Down the road, who knows? It's a possibility. Any sort of cooperation or partnership or however you want to phrase it between the two leagues, we never know how, how far things truly got. I know the XFL was sort of 
putting themselves on hold to see how things were going to work out potentially with the CFL. But I think the CFL knew that they had to get their own house in order before they could even entertain the idea of hooking up with another league, whether it be like the Spring League or now the USFL, I guess it's going to be called now, or the XFL or anything like that. To me, I think the CFL was it's it's not perfect by any stretch. As far as their business model goes, we still don't know what's happening exactly with that. They just want to play football and I guess they'll figure out the rest as as time goes by. Yeah. With that being said, if your house is still not in order, why would you even entertain the notion of anything more than just talking? And I think that really truly that's all it was, was just talking, maybe an exchange of ideas. That's truly I think what really this was more than anything else. And I mean, if you want to, you know, jump off the ledge and think that, you know, this is what, what you know the XFL and CFL are going to merger and blah blah blah, you know, if, if that makes you happy, go ahead and think that. <laughs> and there was more than enough reporters, media talking head types that were going to fan those flames and let people think that's what was going to happen, or even sort of subtly convince them that this is the way it had to be in order for the CFL to survive, for Canadian football to survive in this post-COVID era. Like to me, no, no, there's. There's a lot of work that needs to be done when it comes to the Canadian Football League and how they run things. I don't think hooking up with a, another league is necessarily the option. But if you can help strengthen another league, maybe that's something you can explore. But down the road, as I said, get your own house in order before even thinking about something like that. Yeah. I mean, to be able to take on a project like that is just its ridiculous. And that's the thing that's going to sink you more than anything else, especially, too, when your three biggest markets – are your three most poorly performing markets. I mean, there's, like I said, there's so many moving parts here when it comes to something like this. That the idea of even trying to attempt to merge with another league or anything like that is just preposterous. That's mm-hmm. how I've always looked at it, and I, I still stand by that. And when it's all said and done, in 2023, if the XFL does come back, whether they're a part of the Canadian Football League or not, I think they'll be fine. I think they, I think there is an appetite for football Guys need to play football. There, there's always players that want to play and want to prove themselves in order to eventually get to the CFL or the NFL. They're going to have their opportunity. It's going to come one way or another. Whether or not another league is going to be a part of that, as I said, it, it's it's all speculation. That's really what it comes down to is it's all speculation. And to me, I'm just thankful that nobody's going to be talking about it anymore. I Like I said – as far as what a potential partnership could have brought, I mean, like I said, you can sit and think about this till the cows come home. But right, and and I at, at the end at the end of the day, I just think that the CFL is better off just focus on themselves, get back on the field in 2021. Because let's face it, if you don't get on the field in 2021, you're screwed, like completely screwed. Kill the whole thing. It's done. Right, right, Finish. right. Finito. And and it makes me wonder too, is that with the recent approval of single game betting in sports in Canada made an actual, you know, may have made a, a, uh, made the CFL and, and the governors think twice. Um, you know, it was reported today. It was in the story by Herb Zerkowski in the Gazette, uh, with, with Al's owner, Gary Stern, they were talking about a, a potential of, uh, revenue sharing. So, I again, like you said, it was all speculation. We really do not know what happened behind the scenes, no matter what the insiders said. But 
I'm, I'm, you know, it's funny. I'd kind of forgotten about it until it was brought up again. <laughs> because I honestly think it, it didn't it, think it was going to go anywhere. And, and yes, I will admit I was one of the ones that was, you know, I was, I was kind of, I don't cautious. Say, I was cautious. I didn't want to say I was worried, but you don't want to screw, I, I, you know, you know this, I, don't screw with a Canadian game. Mm-hmm. But I got a feeling there are a lot of variables that led into them parting ways. Right. So. And again, like when you start getting into the whole notion or debate that they're going to be changing the rules, that you're going to have to make it more Americanized or the XFL is going to have to become more Canadianized. And then how do you deal with the ratio and all that? It's like you're putting the cart way before the horse with that. I mean, mm-hmm. like, because as you said, and this is what we've been told us essentially all along but whether you don't want to listen to is that's up to you they're just talking that's all it was was just talking yeah and that's fine i'm all for that like and you know if there was maybe some great ideas that the cfl had or the xfl had that maybe could help benefit each other as far as like marketing goes as far as uh you know like just you know how the game is played and all that and how, how to make things better like you know there's so many avenues that this could have gone down that may still it may still end up going down that road eventually but to me i I think it was kind of a non-starter especially too with the cfl not playing last year the xfl not playing this year and now not until 2023 i mean there's still so much to even consider before you even even think about possibly considering playing or merging or any of that any of that stuff that everybody was you know panicking about I think it was all sound and fury signifying nothing at the end of the day. And ultimately, that's really what it was, was just, okay, we're just going to leave this alone. CFL is going to go do their thing. The XFL is going to do their thing and leave it at that. Yeah. Exactly. And I think I think ultimately, it's going to be better for everybody that, that way. CFL now has to realize, though, that they have to get their – they have to get their sh- together. Let's put it let's, – let's put it bluntly. Get it together. You've got nine teams – all nine teams should be profitable. All nine teams should be – there should be fans in the stands, lots of fans in the stands. This should be a successful league. This this league has so much potential to be great. And it's just a matter of now they have to realize that and take the steps necessary to ensure that this league is profitable for years to come. It can be done. It's just a matter of taking a good long look at yourself. And I hope that's what they've been doing during this, this whole time off. And we've said this before is – you really got to take a long, hard look at yourself, how how things have been going, and you have to realize that it can't stay the same. Changes do have to be made, and I sincerely hope that as we're getting ready for a new season to get underway, as players are getting ready to become a part of this league again, as fans are getting ready to become a part of this league again, I really, truly hope that the Board of Governors, Randy Ambrosi, all the people behind the scenes that make this league run, I really, truly hope they realize that they now have an opportunity to recapture that audience that they lost, but they're going to have to change the way they do things and do whatever it takes to make this league profitable again. Exactly. Um, before I go, just quick thing, because especially with the subject that we're going to be talking about, it, I feel I didn't put it in anywhere else, but I just want to remind everybody, uh, you can, when you go, I'll just put it this way. If you go to alouettesflightdeck.ca, if you want to have uh, look at some of our merch, you can do so. There is a link there on that page. I said, with the current subject that we're going to talk about now, I feel bad saying it anyway, anyway, any other way than just that. But head over to alouettesflightdeck.ca 
the link is there for our store. Um, in in a time where you know we've been living through the pandemic, uh, it you hear about a former player, and this is the second former player. That, that's what mind boggles my mind, Cliff. Uh, that has died from this horrible disease. You think of a disease, and you think of something that that hopefully can be. There's a cure or a partial cure. I mean, even with cancer these days, there is some hope that you can get rid of it and live a normal life. But unfortunately, when it comes to to ALS or what some will call Lou Gehrig's disease, the the disease is relentless and it, it... it does not discriminate in any way, shape, or form, does it? This is, it's just, when we hear of a passing of anybody, it's, you know, obviously it's sad. Mm-hmm. But, but then we hear of a passing of a player that both you and I watched and represented this team very well in the game so well. To hear somebody to die at the age of 54 is heartbreaking. But also to hear, and it's not, and something that, that people have known about because he was open about it. And when I think they said he made the, he talked about it um, and came out with it in uh, 2013. I think that's what it, what they said uh, that he had ALS. But Michael Souls is a part of you know the CFL lexicon, a part of the CFL family. He's part of Alouette's Nation. It, again, it's just heartbreaking to hear somebody to who have luckily, and that's a weird way of putting it, Cliff, to luckily have to have been able to live with the disease for 13 years, but we know, I think it was 13 years, I think they said, but it, it, it's just this disease is so debilitating and it really just racks the body. And, and just to hear of somebody dying from ALS, it, it, you know, nothing is anybody else dying from something else, but... To hear of somebody dying from ALS, it, it really is just heartbreaking. It truly is. And especially it kind of hits home for me because Michael Souls was a, a point clear kid, just like I was. Uh, he went to St. Thomas High School, just like I did. Went to John Abbott College, just like I did. <laughs> and that's pretty much where the similarities end between Michael Souls and myself. Uh, but my God, he had such a an excellent career. Won a great cup championship for the Edmonton can we say can we well I guess we were talking about the past we can still say yes I would say you're fine all right the Edmonton Eskimos the Edmonton football call whatever you want to whatever you want to call him he, he was not an elk I mean he's he's being revered now as a former elk but he never actually was an elk but again semantics but for Michael Souls when like he played football I mean he played with heart he played with grit and. I remember when the Alouettes came back to well, when the Alouettes were reborn, uh, when the Baltimore Stallions were reborn as the Montreal Alouettes. I remember it's funny, like being able to get that Canadian content. And how do you not have Michael Souls, the Montreal kid? How do you not have him be part of the Alouettes? It was exciting to see that he had come home, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Especially interesting too, especially with now with Danny Machocha signing so many Quebec-born players and drafting so many Quebec-born players, and he kind of gets dragged for it a little bit, but. I mean, this is nothing new for the Alouettes. I mean, and this was a feel-good story for Michael Souls to come back and play for his hometown team after doing so well out in Edmonton for so many years. 
for him to essentially finish his career in Montreal and become a part of that rebirth of football here in Montreal. And again, once he was diagnosed with ALS, I remember it was actually during the height of this whole ice bucket challenge thing that became yes. so popular back in the day. Yes. And I even remember I the ice bucket challenge I did, I actually gave a little shout out to Michael because he was we knew he was suffering from this or he was just diagnosed with it, I should say. So it felt good to be able to be a part of that challenge and also just sort of give a little nod to him, letting him know that, you know, we're thinking of him, we're praying for him, we're, you know, keep fighting the good fight kind of thing. And my goodness, like he still, he kept on going and he fought this disease with everything he had. And it's, it's, it's unfortunate that unfortunately he lost his battle. It's like you said, a disease like this does not discriminate. It, took Tony Proudfoot from us as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's taken my, it's, and it's kind of bitterly ironic that the disease is called ALS. Or I know. Owls. I know. Like when you see owls in, in the, in the headline, like you, you want it to be something positive, like regarding the alouettes. But unfortunately in this case, it's very, very negative. Well, when this. you see it in all capital letters, you know, you do, you do. And like I said, uh, you know, I, I, can't thank Michael Souls enough for everything he's done for the city of Montreal, for Alouette's Nation, being a part of this organization for so many years, uh, for all the support and research he's done for ALS. I mean, it's he, he was he was a fighter to the end, to the end. And and just to make a correction, I, it was he was diagnosed in two thousand five. Oh, to, my. Well, okay, I guess it was. I guess it became more prevalent than I guess with the ice bucket challenge that he was suffering from ALS. So regardless, you knew he was a fighter. I mean, he was a fighter on the field. So why wouldn't he be a fighter off the field as well? So it's, you know, it's really unfortunate. Uh, my thoughts definitely go out to his family, yes. to all of all of what's nation, because it's tough. And I, I have no doubt in my mind that the team is going to observe this. Once the season gets underway on yes. August 27th, yeah. they'd be crazy not to, but uh, uh, Michael souls, Rest in peace, and thank you for everything that you've done for this for this organization, for this city, for everything you've done for the Canadian Football League. Yeah, and, and helping bring back and bring back football to Montreal and to be a part of that, to be able to to be able to allow us to enjoy football again here in the city. Um He'll be he'll be remembered for many things, you know. Not only his Grey Cup in Edmonton, but McGill's only national championship mm-hmm. in the Vanier Cup back in '87. So, um, it's as as I said, it's uh, it may be a as such a huge loss and devastating thing, especially when it, how somebody dies. But again, I think as long as we remember the positives about what he's been able to do for the city and what he did for the team. And, and obviously uh, we, we think uh, we're thinking of his family during this hard time. So we, uh, yeah. So um, such a way I know it's not try not to, to end a show on, on a, uh, on a downer. Um, but I, I felt that uh, it was necessary for us to, uh, to give more than just a a just a, a little bit of a, a, a blurb or a shout out or you know for something mention in passing exactly yeah for for something yeah. like this so mm-hmm. um, we will be back 
we're really uh, excited about what's coming up for for training camp. It starts in the next next couple of days. Uh, please stay tuned to all of our social media outlets um, and uh, for any breaking information that we do come across. Um, but uh, Cliff, uh, I am I'm happy football's back. Um, we may not be able to go to camp, but. Uh, I guess we'll be living vicariously through all the reporters who happen to be able to go to camp, which we which we just recently found out. So, which is which is kind of good. So, um, well, that's it. And here's hoping that the team takes with this in mind, knowing that the fans cannot be a part of the training camp experience. I really hope they step things up as far as their coverage goes. Make sure you get the you know as many videos as possible. Let mm-hmm. us let us see what's going on. Let us see these these players doing their thing because we've been waiting a long, long time for this. And it, it sucks that, you know, fans cannot be a part of that experience this year. Hopefully it's just this year, yeah. but do whatever you, whatever it is that you have to do to help keep the fans engaged and interested in this football team. That's what's got to be done right now. As far as I'm concerned, the players, their job is to go and win that spot on the roster. The Alouettes themselves, their job is to, to keep the fans on the roster, so to speak. And the best way to do that is keep them engaged, keep them interested in the team, provide as many training camp updates as possible, and let us keep the fire going, so to speak. Exactly, exactly. So we'll speak with you very soon. Uh, Stay tuned for uh, for a very special episode in the the very coming future. Um, But we will be back. So for everybody here at the Alouette's Flight Deck, for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. Run Final Approach. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.